Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. I want to just share a reflection with you, something that you might be able to relate with. And, and that, that, that is this. How many of you have driven on the Turner Turnpike between Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Lots of hands. Now, let me ask you this. Just think in your head. Do a quick tally. How many times have you driven on that road? Many, many times. And if you grew up on the east side of the state like I did, you have worn that road out going back and forth from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, Tulsa to Oklahoma City. Uh, it's a road that I'm very, very familiar with. Now, it is a turnpike. Now, what, what a turnpike means is that section of I-44 between Oklahoma City and Tulsa, and, and they, they charge you a toll to drive on it, but in exchange for that, they limit the amount of on-ramps and exits so you can move quickly from point A to point B. That's basically what a turnpike is. And so because of that setup, it should not surprise us if we get on the turnpike headed east from Oklahoma City, it should not surprise us in about an hour or so when we end up in Tulsa. And if we get on the turnpike headed west from Tulsa, it should not surprise us if we arrive in Oklahoma City in about an hour or so. I say or so because we, you guys drive faster than some others, I know you. Um, you've passed me on the turnpike before. Uh, but it takes a little bit of time. But it should not surprise us when we head in a direction that we arrive at the destination. And that analogy is, is somewhat what Paul is going to use to talk to us about sin in our lives in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. Well, what Paul is going to say is that when we point our lives in the direction of sin, we should not be surprised when it takes us where sin leads. And when we point our lives in the direction of God, we should not be surprised if it takes us in the direction where God leads. In other words, as we live out our lives, we will make decisions about where we're headed. And as we do that, we have the opportunity to honor God and to walk with him and have fellowship with him in our everyday life. So we're going to see that today as we look at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. I'm going to read these verses for us, and then we'll back up and, and examine them a little more closely. Again, the, the context of chapter 6 is really how will Christians live out their lives. If our salvation is based on Jesus' work, and not on our works, why should we work at all? Why should we not just sin all the time? Or if we are living our lives under the banner of God's grace, why does sin matter? Well, Paul's going to answer those questions for us today as we look at Romans 6, 15 through 23. So let me, let me read them for us, and then we'll go back and, and examine them a little more closely. Paul writes and says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if, you're, if you present yourselves to anyone <clears throat> as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God 
that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, in these verses today, we're going to see four things that help us know something about how we are to live out our Christian lives. The first thing that we see is this. We're all on the road to somewhere. We're all on the road to somewhere. To borrow a phrase from Tom Cochran, life is a highway. We're all on the road to somewhere. And and Paul demonstrates that in verses 15 and 16. Now, we we think about this as it relates to the Turner Turnpike. When we get on the Turner Turnpike headed westbound uh, from Tulsa, we are subject to that road. That road has a direction. That road has a purpose. And if we get on in Tulsa headed westbound, we will follow its direction and its lead. We subject ourselves to the road. We end up in Oklahoma City. Vice versa, the same is true. If we get on headed eastbound from Oklahoma City, we subject ourselves to that road. We head in its direction, and eventually we arrive in its destination in Tulsa. In a similar way, Paul is going to say here that our lives are all subjected to something. We are going to present our lives. We're going to lay our lives down around. We are going to organize our lives around something. And that something will create a path for us that will lead in a direction. He mentions in verse 16 that there are two possibilities of where our lives can be headed. There are two roads which we can be on, two directions that we can go. Uh, the first direction is the direction of sin. We can organize our lives around sin, or we can organize our lives around what he calls here obedience. The, the rest of the, of, the, of the passage would tell us that this is obedience to God. We can organize our lives, we can lay down our lives, we can present ourselves around God, or we can present ourselves around something less than God. We can present it around sin. We might think that there are any number of other opportunities, any number of other things that we might present our lives to, organize our lives around, but the reality is if God is God, then there is only one person worthy for us to lay our lives down to, and that is Almighty God. Anything less is falling short of his glory, is falling short of our created intention. We laying down our lives around God or around something else. 
The, the analogy that Paul uses here is the analogy of slaves. Now, when you, when you see that, that, that bothers us a little bit. We think, why would Paul be talking about slavery here? Slavery is something that we don't like. Slavery is something that we outlaw. We, we walk against. We petition against it. It's something that, that, that goes against our, our sensibilities. Why is Paul here talking about slavery? Well, he lets us know a little later on that he's talking here in human terms. In other words, he was taking an analogy from something that they knew to teach them something about God that they needed to know. And Romans who lived in the first century knew a lot about slavery. There were millions and millions of slaves who lived in the Roman Empire. And Roman slaves in, in, the, in, in the first century, you could be a slave for a number of different reasons. You could be a slave in the Roman Empire if you were a part of a, a foreign country that was conquered by Rome, you might be taken back and made a slave. That's one way that you could become a slave. You could become a slave by force. But you also could become a slave voluntarily. It was possible to volunteer to be a slave. Now, when we hear that, we think, why in the world would anyone volunteer to be a slave? That just doesn't make any sense at all. But, but think about it this way. If I did not have a place to sleep at night, and I did not have any food to eat, I might go to someone else and say, hey, I'll do whatever you want me to do if you give me food to eat and a place to sleep. And in that way, people will volunteer to be slaves. Imagine if, if I have no resources, no money, no food, I'm hungry, my family's hungry. I might go and knock on Dick Stewart's door. Dick, can we sleep in your guest room? And in exchange, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll clean the pool, I'll do the dishes, I'll mow the grass, whatever, whatever you want me to do. We can imagine a situation like that, right? And so there were opportunities in the first century. People volunteered to be slaves based on the situation that they were in. And so Paul uses that picture of a voluntary slave, and he lays it down before us as an example of our lives, that we can volunteer to obey something in our lives, all of us will organize our lives around something. All of us will lay our lives down around something. Something will be our master. What will it be? Paul says we have the option of laying our lives down before Almighty God or we can lay it down around something else in sin. Well, what are, what are some of the some things else that we might lay our lives down around? What are some of those things? For some, that thing that we might lay our lives down around might be a public approval. We might live our lives for the approval of others, the attaboys. There's a temptation to, to do what we do, to organize our lives around the approval of others. That's something that I've struggled with in my life, and, and many of you maybe have struggled with that as well. It's a temptation for us. It's something less than God that we want to organize around. For others, it might be stuff. It's not the approval of others. It's stuff. It's the accumulation of things. And in your quiet moments, if you spend all of your time thinking about what you can buy next, what you can accumulate, what you can spend your money on, what you can consume, stuff might be your master. It might be what you were laying your life down around. If, if all of your life is spent in collecting and accumulating things, stuff could be your master. It, it might be not, not stuff. It might not be the approval of others. It might be a position 
You would do anything to get that position, to sit in that chair, to have that title on your business card, to, to, to be in that office, to have a family that looked just right with just so many kids. Maybe there's a position or a position in life that you do everything to, to accomplish. Maybe that has become your master. Maybe you're, you're laying your life down around something like that. Or maybe it's, it's none of those things. Maybe it's just experience or sensuality. That feeling, that high, that, that sexual pursuit, whatever it is. What is it that you're laying your life down around? What is the organizing principle in your life? What will cause you to obey? Well, Paul says there are a couple of options. Sin or God. Now, in, in Romans 6, 15 through 23, Paul's going to then explain or identify where those things each head. He's going to articulate and paint a picture for where laying our lives down before sin goes, and he's going to lay a pic, uh, down a picture of, of where laying our lives down before God goes. Somebody came up to me after the first service and says, in your analogy, is Tulsa hell? I was born and raised on the east side, baby, so no. Don't take my analogy too far. I'm speaking to you in human terms. Uh, but we do find out some things about these. The first thing we're going to find out about is about sin. Are you, are you, is your life headed towards sin? Are your wheels pointed in the direction of sin? If so, there are some things that, that, that Paul would say you, you will experience if your life is organized around sin, if your life is organized around something less than God. Verse 19 begins to tell us what some of those things are. In the middle of the verse, he says, For just as you once uh, presented your members as slaves to impurity, impurity is something that is associated with sin. Now, when we, we see that, impurity, uh, sometimes we think, well, impurity's not all that bad. I mean, maybe we like impure things. But here's what I would challenge you with. We do not like impure things with our physical bodies. And I'll give you proof of that. If I had with me a bottle of, of Aquafina, nice, crisp, clean, cool Aquafina, and, and I gave you the choice of drinking from that bottle of Aquafina or of going out and, and taking some water from the little stream that runs just north of Wildwood, which would you prefer to drink? Most all of you would prefer the bottle of Aquafina. Why? Because that water has been purified. That water has been cleaned. But that water out there contains every contaminant that Hall Park knows has made it into that water, and it's, it's flowing down there, and it's stagnant, and it, and it smells at times. Why would we ever drink the impure when the pure is available to us? We would never do that to our physical bodies because we have a desire to keep our physical bodies healthy. But here is, here's Paul's point. Why, why would we ever drink from something impure spiritually? Why would we ever just have a little bit of sin? If we think that a little bit of that water might make us sick, we wouldn't touch it. But we many times will take things and have just a little bit of sin 
not knowing that it will make our spiritual lives sick. Paul says that if our wheels are pointed in the direction of sin, we will experience impurity. He goes on in verse 19, and he says something else. He says, lawlessness is something that we will experience as well. It's not just impurity, but he says, into lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. Now, when we hear that, we think, well, that's not so bad either. I mean, a little lawlessness is not bad. I mean, when we were kids, we, we would do anything to get out of law. You know, we, want, we wanted the, the freedom and the opportunity to do whatever we wanted to do. The great picture of this is the movie that came out ages ago now, Home Alone. Seen this movie? He wakes up and mom and dad and the brothers and sisters and family are gone and he is home alone, little bitty boy. And after the little you know, moment where he kind of freaks out, he, he begins to really enjoy his time, right? Uh, he's going to play music, music he wants to play. He's going to eat what he wants to eat. He's going to dance where he wants to dance. He's going to do all those things. But ultimately, is that satisfying to him? No, because that lawlessness led to more lawlessness. And he was no longer safe, and, and danger came into his life. In the same way, we might want to escape some of the, the directives of God, but the reality is when we pursue lawlessness, it leads to more lawlessness, and eventually someone gets hurt, including us. Paul says, why would you drink impurity? Why would you pursue lawlessness? Why would you do things that would get hurt? Verse 21, he says it this way. He talks about the shame, the the fruit of our sin. He says, but what fruit were you getting at the time of your life where you were pursuing sin? He says, these things of which you are now ashamed. Friends, we know this, right? The sin from our past, we're not proud of it. We're ashamed of it. There are things in all of our past that we don't want anyone else to know about. We're ashamed of it. Our our sin from our past brings us shame. Paul says that's where sin leads. If you point your, your wheels in the direction of sin, impurity and lawlessness, and shame is what comes. And we know this. We know this. We've experienced that, that pain. We've experienced that difficulty. He goes beyond just those things, though, and he, he will, he'll go as far as saying that pointing our wheels in the direction of sin ultimately leads to death. Verse 16, verse 21, verse 23, in each of those instances, death is what is, is pointed out is the ultimate destination of sin. Now, if we know Christ as our Savior, we know that we are protected from the ultimate death, the ultimate separation from God that our sins deserve. But here's the reality. If we live our lives in this world pointing and driving in the direction of sin, there will be a deadness that will come about our spiritual life. Not a permanent separation from God, but we will experience the temporal deadening consequences that sin brings to our life. And we know this as well, don't we? See, why would we we spend our lives driving in the direction of impurity and lawlessness and shame and death? Why would we do it? Well, the answer is because it doesn't look that way at the exit. 
You think about back to our, our turnpike illustration. As you drive down the turnpike, if, if the exit sign looked promising, we might peel off and, and go get something to drink or eat or see some sight along the side of the road. And that's what sin does to us. Sin looks attractive at the exit sign. It appeals to us. It calls us to obey its thirst. It says, come over here and experience this for a little while. It'll bring you joy. It'll bring you happiness. And so we put the blinker on and we begin to exit. Paul writes Romans 6, I believe in part, to remind us to paint a new sign by those exits that lead to sin. That before we, we sin, and we, there, there are areas we know. Here's the thing, folks. We know what sin is. We may not know all of what sin is, but we know at least part. And there are things that everyone in this room right now is struggling with that you know is wrong. And rather than just giving in to those temptations because they look right, feel right, God has given us Romans 6 so that we can paint a new sign in front of that temptation that says impurity, lawlessness, shame, and death are there. You still want to exit. And God gives us Romans 6 so that we can be loving brothers and sisters in Christ and come around each other. And as we see those in our lives who are, who are exiting and are, are thinking about going over just a little bit, just to go check out that sin just a little bit, we might come around each other and go, no, don't do it. Death is down that road. Shame is down that road. I want something better for you. God wants something better for you. Don't go there. This is the picture that Paul paints of sin. See, sin looks attractive to us, but we need to paint a new sign to remind ourselves and for us as people living in fellowship with one another to remind each other of where exactly sin is. See, we can begin to think that sin's not that big a deal. Yeah, I'll exit. I'll drive down there where just, just, just a little bit, just, just a few miles. Just go try it one more time we forget where it goes, where it leads. If we knew there was an exit on the turnpike that drove off a cliff, we would be standing at that exit, waving our friends down and those coming by and saying, don't go there. In the same way, God gives us Romans 6 to let us know where sin is headed, that it would lose its appeal. We might choose another way. Are we headed down the road to sin? Or are we headed down the road to God? In Romans 6, Paul also talks about what that looks like, what the impact, what the effect is of a life that is, that is pursuing and is following God. And we see that in these verses. The, the very first thing we see is that this life is a life of obedience, Verse 16 tells us that. Now, I think that's important because sometimes we really complicate what it means to have a relationship with God. Now, hear me. To have a relationship with God means to be in relationship with a loving father, a good father. We just sang that earlier. It means to know him and to know his love and, and to, to feel his love and to be encouraged by his spirit which resides within us. It means all of those things. But you know what else it means? It means that we live a life that is obedient to him. 
when we understand who he is, what he's done for us, our hearts are inclined to obey him. We, we should want to lay our lives down before him for who he is and for what he has done and for the direction that he gives us to steer us away from death and shame. He points us in the direction of obedience. And if obedience is not a, a big part of when you think about what it means to live out your Christian life, then you have an insufficient definition of what it means to live out the Christian life because a Christian lives a life of obedience. Jesus lived an obedient life to the Father, and as people who follow Jesus, we are called to live a life of obedience as well. Now, God gives us his grace. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us his spirit to empower us to live out the things he's called us to. We're going to see that in Romans 7 and 8 in the month of April and May. But here's the thing. We cannot minimize that walking with God on a daily basis involves obedience to the Father. We see that here in verse 16. It's obedience. It's it's obedience that leads to righteousness. Obedience that leads to righteousness. What 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 a picture. See, when we come to know Christ, we are declared righteous by God, but we live out a life in Christ continuing to pursue the righteousness in the righteous way that God has pointed out. Obedience is not just obedience in general, it's obedience to God's righteous standard revealed to us from his word. We're called to obey him in righteousness. And this leads to sanctification. Verses 19 and 22 have this word sanctification. Your English Bible might translate sanctification as holiness because to be sanctified is the process of being made holy. Now, remember, as we've studied the book of Romans, we've seen, a, we've, we've seen and talked a lot about what is known as justification. Justification is when we are declared righteous before God in an instant. And that is true the moment that we believe. The moment we believe, God declares Believers in Christ, righteous. That's justification. But then as we live out our Christian lives, there's a process by which our experience of God's holiness goes up over time as we obey him. And this is a process known as sanctification, a being made holy part of the Christian life. It's something that involves a cooperation between us and God as we trust him on a daily basis and see the Spirit of God work to transform our hearts and our lives as we obey him. But this is something that we are called to do, this process of sanctification. Now, this is, this is something that, that lets us know why people who have walked with God and have obeyed him for a long time have a, a different quality or character about their life. It's because they've walked with God for a long time. Remember, every person who believes in Christ is declared righteous before God in a moment. We all have the same standing before God right here. But as we walk with God and obey him over time, our character is shaped more and more into the image of the Son. Our experience of holiness goes up. This is why when you talk to somebody who's walked with God for 50 years, there's a depth to their character that's attractive to us. We went to a pastor's conference this last week and got to spend time with, with uh, uh, John MacArthur, who is pastored for 50 years practically in, a, in one location. 
and faithfully taught the Word of God. And I can tell you, for somebody who's walked with God for that long, it was a beautiful thing just to be around him, not from the, the, the stage, but even just in personal interactions. There was, a, there was a grace about him and a character about him that was so attractive. That comes through a process of sanctification. It comes from a process of walking with God for years and years and years. If you've been a believer for 10 minutes, praise God for that. But if you walk with God for 10 years, there'll be parts of your understanding of God and your practice of his holiness that'll be different than they were in that first moment. And the same thing for those at 25 and 30 and 40 and 50. There's a process of that God is working in and around us, this process of sanctification. We point our wheels in the direction of God when we obey him and obey him in righteousness. He's sanctifying us throughout our lives, shaping our character into the image of the Son. Our experience of holiness goes up. And, and where does this ultimately lead? As we Point our wheels in the direction of God. Where does it ultimately go? Verse 22 tells us, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The exact opposite of death. Life, eternal life. The life that that God has offered us be with him forever, a life that begins in relationship with him now. This is what God is offering us. Why should we live our lives pursuing God instead of sin? Well, because sin leads to death and to shame and to impurity and to lawlessness, but pursuing God leads to righteousness and obedience and sanctification and life. Which one will you choose? Paul says the the Christian should choose to follow God because of the nature of who we are, chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, but also just the the sheer blessing of what it means to follow him in our daily lives. God has given us a new sign to tell us where we should go. Now, I want to just say this as as an add-on to this. Again, just using our analogy of driving down the road. Have you ever noticed that those who ride with you get, get the benefit of where you're headed? I, I have a minivan, and so when we go on a trip and we drive headed east to God's country, no, I'm just kidding, uh, headed east, um, we're driving across that turnpike. My wife and my son who are with me get the benefit of, of, that, of that drive. When we come home, back to God's country, um, they get the benefit of coming along that way. Now, I'm not saying that we have the opportunity to affect anyone's salvation, but here's what I'm saying. When you ride with those headed towards life, you tend to experience some life. When you ride with those headed to death, you tend to experience some death. Can we agree with that? One of the reasons why we obey Christ and follow him is for us to walk with God, but if you want to be a blessing to those around you, point your wheels in the direction of God, head to life and sanctification and righteousness and see what God does in the lives of others around you. If you want to wound those around you, head towards sin, see what happens. 
The stories are countless, and you know them. They're in your family. They're in mine. They're in your neighborhood. They're in mine. See, we were called to drive in the direction of God, through obedience to him. Now, what do you do if you find yourself driving the wrong way down the highway? What do you do if you find yourself driving towards sin and death? And this morning as we go through this, you're like, I realize I'm headed the wrong way. This passage has hope for us. And the hope is found, not surprisingly, in Christ. You know, when you think about the, uh, the again, the, the turnpike analogy, turnpikes restrict the amount of exits. There's only a few places you can get off. There's only a few places you can turn around. When it comes to our lives, Paul tells us there's only one U-turn that we can make. And that U-turn is found in Christ. But here's the thing. It's not down the road a little ways. We can take that exit whenever we want. We can make that U-turn whenever we want. God is offering us that opportunity. Listen to the words that, that, are, that are said here in verses 17 and 18. Beautiful passage here. Paul's talking to those of us who need a U-turn, and this is what he says. He says, thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Here's Here's the beautiful joy of those verses. There's hope. There's the opportunity to make a change. But that change is made not by continuing down the same path that we're on. The change is made by pulling a U-turn in Christ and repenting of our sin. That's what, that's what repentance is. It's making a U-turn. It's saying, I'm not going to go that way any longer, pursuing my own desires, my own sin, whatever. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to point my wheels in the direction of God, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to commit myself to the standard of teaching in God's word. I'm going to trust in the provision that God points to in his word of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we find our wheels turned in a different direction in our life headed to life and not death. Romans 6, 23 says it this way. It says, the wages of sin is death. Now, that's the, one of the most quoted verses in the entire Bible. You've probably heard me say it a thousand times, but what else does Romans 6.23 say? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is, what does it say? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The U-turn is possible. It's possible in Christ. Because of who he is and what he has done for us, it is possible for us to make a turn. And if you find yourself today headed towards death, don't keep driving in the same direction. Turn. Repent. Believe in Christ and follow him in obedience. Let me pray for you. Father, I I, I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word together today. I thank you for the, the privilege of, of having a passage like this that reminds us and points us in the direction of, of obedience to you. Father, you give us commands of obedience for our, uh, for our good, for your glory, but for our good. You know the way that we are to live. You created life, and you point us in the direction that we're intended to live. Father, we... we We confess that too many times our wheels are pointed in the wrong direction. 
Father, I pray that today, collectively, we would, we would turn and we would follow you. Father, I pray for those who have known you for many years, who have trusted in you for many years. I pray that today you would give uh, them where they sit just um, the, the courage to keep walking with you, to keep obeying you, or to make a turn as need be to, to see obedience in areas of their life that they have rebelled for a while. Father, I pray for them today um, that you would sanctify them as they obey in righteousness and that you would give them life. And Father, I pray today for those of us uh, in this room who have not ever placed their faith and trust in Christ. I pray that today as they see where their sin is leading them, I pray that they would subject their lives to someone else. I pray that they would they would have a U-turn and they would repent of their sin and they would trust in Jesus and that you would give them the life that they so desperately need. We, 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 we pray that, Father, because we love them. We pray that because we know that you love them even more. And we pray that because we believe um, that your way is the way. As the disciples pray, where else can we go, Father? You have the words of eternal life. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.